this relaxed attention, sense of open listening, receiving. non-seeking, not trying to get anything, but a sense of just being present. And this is like being, being the present moment here and now the Pachubanatama. And getting uh, getting to rest in it, recognize it. No no it's like this. Rather than say the the self view is I've got to get this or I've got to develop this. There's always uh, the self is always based on this doing things, getting something. So this is the opportunity to to see that tendency in oneself, the the kind of compulsiveness of having to get something you don't have or get rid of something you have that you don't want. The bhavadana, vipavadana, desire to become, desire to to get rid of. Then the 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 what's happening here and now, say, non personally. It isn't some kind of trigger off some kind of sense of oneself as a personality is like the breath, isn't it? If you want something to do, (coughs) then just watch the breath. Being with the breathing of the body. Anapanasati. Just resting in the breath with the inhalation, exhalation calms everything because you're with something that isn't exciting or stimulating, but being with the breathing of your own body, you'll feel increasingly more emotionally calm, tranquil. And then the puto, the this is the mantra of the Thai forest tradition. Uh, uh, here in Cambodia, this is an exclamation. They told me that when they say, when they like we say God, they say Puto. <laughs> 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 uh, this is our mantra. <laughs> uh, Puto is Buddha or the knowing. So the mantra, the mantras are like they say, if you're a <coughs> obsessive thinker, you know, then decide that well, if you can't stop thinking or watch thinking, then just think one thing, like puto. 
repeated, repeatedly. It works as to to just focus your attention and not just wander wander off in the uh, thinking mind, the wandering thinking. And then we used to in Thailand we'd concentrate on puto in the inhalation put to inhalation put exhalation to just a way of of concentrating attention to stop this restless wandering that tends to be uh, what we do say if we we've never meditated or never trained ourselves in any way. Now, Pudo also is profound. You know, it's a the word, two-syllable word, simple enough word, <coughs> that um, means awareness, awakened one, Buddha. That which knows the way it is. So they, they say we can use it for tranquilizing, for samatha meditation, tranquilizing, uh, getting more refined concentration, and also for reflection, like the knowing. This is our experience of life being a separate human entity in this universe, conscious universe, infinite consciousness and this separate entity that we think is me we become we create the ourselves as separate persons and personalities accordingly but with puto then the knowing we're reaching pure awareness consciousness wisdom so it's our ability to let go of our delusions and recognize or realize Dhamma. In the morning chanting that we just did, we we contemplate or reflect on Dhamma. We say, Santitiko Akaliko ehi pasko panaiko budget tangwe tidapo vinui. Dhamma, apparent here and now. Santitiko dhamma. So notice this emphasis on apparent here and now. It's not, not a, some kind of mystery or esoteric. A metaphysical reality. It's apparent here and now. Timeless, a Kalika Dhamma. In the now, there's no time, is there? It's a time it depends on thinking, Percept, perceiving time in terms of past, present, future. Akalika Dhamma, timeless. 
So these are like knowing Dhamma, the apparent here and now. Now the breath changes and the, you know, the breathing, there's the inhalation, exhalation, there's the uh, the physical body sitting, uh, the kind of mood that you're experiencing, the kind of mental quality, the mood, the, the changing moods, whatever mood you're recognizing is like this. But instead of seeing it in terms of my breathing, my sitting, my mood, it's seen in terms of Sapay Sankarani Chai. You note it, you're, the knowing it is for what it is is changing, beginning and ending, being born and dying like this. Then the, the knowing of this, timeless, Breath is, you know, breathing is about time. It has a beginning and ending. Inhalation begins and ends. Exhalation begins and ends. Timeless, akalika dhamma, then is the knowing, pure conscious awareness, knowing the, or recognizing akalika dhamma, timelessness. The deathless, Nibbana. Anatta, these kind of these words are words that we use to point to that. Like you can Recognize your breath, so because your breathing is sung, is a sankara. It's a, something that arises and ceases, begins and ends. <coughs> Observing what arises and ceases, so this is what we call aramana, the objects that we we see, the aramana, we notice. What is moving? What is changing? And we're and we're not f- judging it in terms of thinking and analyzing and criticizing, approving or disapproving. But it is what it is. So this this category of sape sankarani cha just a, a reminder to see, to notice change and and don't don't give uh, your attention to the quality that you're experiencing, whether it's pleasant, painful, good, bad, beautiful, ugly. And that which is aware of change, puto, aware, the knowing of change, 
the witness. You can't. That's not in a Ramana. You can't. You can't observe that. You you are that. In other words, being the knowing. <coughs> so it's like trying to see your own eyes, isn't it? You, you can see my eyes. I can't see my eyes at this very moment. But I'm seeing so <coughs> with the eyes. Uh, it's not a matter of to prove I have eyes, I have to look at my own eyes, is it? It's just as simple as that. To be the knowing, knowing is like this. You don't have to find out who, it, what it is that knows or, you know, have it. It's just, this is knowing, this is seeing. In Santitiko Akaliko, timeless, Ehipasiko, encouraging investigation. This is investigating, looking, come and see. You know, it's, it's, nothing, it's not to be a mystery or a secret or some kind of esoteric, subtle uh, teaching. like the Holy Grail or something. You don't have to. <laughs> so, Ehi Pasiko. Ehi is like a invitation. Ehi Bhikkhu was the first bhikkhu, the first bhikkhu ordained by the Buddha. They didn't have this long procedure that we use. Didn't ask whether they had leprosy and things like this. <laughs> All the Buddha said was, "Ehi bhikkhu, come bhikkhu." They're like, "Ehi, come and see." Ehi pasiko. It's like, wake up and see, observe. You know, don't put it off to tomorrow. These are uh, when we chant. Uh, Santitiko, Akaliko, Ehipaso, Upanayiko, Upanayiko, Tamma. Leading onwards, and there's this controversy whether it's onwards or inwards. 
Well, I think you get the point, whatever. Leading, you know, being present here and now is sustaining itself. You're not creating something to, to hold on to and try to, you know, hold, make it, keep creating it and, and sustaining it through effort, but just recognizing and being. So it's a sense of resting. It's like going home. This is your real home. And this is where you you aren't any, you don't have to be anything or get anything or do anything or prove anything. And then Bajitangwe Tidapo Winuhi is to be experienced individually by the wise. In other words, this means you have to find out, you have to recognize this yourself. In uh, one of the practices is like Jitanupasana. In the four foundations of mindfulness, you have Gayanupasana, Vedananupasana, Jitanupasana, Dhammanupasana. This is the Satipatthana, uh, or translated as four foundations of mindfulness. So they're pointing at different ways of, you know, developing, cultivating awareness. The, the body, feeling is Vedana, Vedananupasana, Jitanupasana, the, the, the mental state. And this, uh, when I... <coughs> went to live with Ajahn Chah in 1967. They, uh, I couldn't speak Thai and he couldn't speak English. And so there was, and, and here I was a newly ordained bhikkhu having to adjust myself to a whole different lifestyle. Completely strange to me. You know, so I had to learn language and and uh, the monastic forms, the vilaya. Had to learn uh, the way they do things there. 
the culture. Everything was new, you know, different than what I was accustomed to. So this brings up a lot of feeling and and, uh, mood in the mind. You know, you get frustrated and you when you when you're in a, in a situation that is strange and you don't know what you're doing and you don't know what everyone else is doing ha- most of the time and you're trying to learn and and adapt yourself to this so there's a lot of uh, you know it goes through various emotions of love, hate, frustration, anger, rage, uh, boredom, despair, and so forth. And this was the way Lung Chai actually taught me that first year was more or less pointing to the mood. He somehow had this quality to get me to see what I was holding on to emotionally, like the the suffering I was creating through, you know, trying to learn the language and feeling lonely and, you know, I couldn't, there was nobody to, nobody could speak English. I had nobody to to complain to. And then I didn't understand, I could misinterpret, misunderstand things. So the way they did things or the way they acted toward me, I could easily and sometimes quite intentionally determine to misunderstand. (laughs) But then uh, what I learned, I learned an enormous amount that year, I just saw the through this Jitanupasana style of Lungpa Chas, observing the, the mood, the feeling of being frustrated or being confused, not knowing what to do, feeling lonely, all these, these kind of moods. And his, his ability to get me to, to, to keep not telling me how I should feel or chastising me or or intimidating me or humiliating me but getting me to look at what I'm actually feeling uh, moody, what the mood is so this changes from you know, blaming the conditions feeling sorry for myself and, and the thinking oh, uh, you know looking outward all the time and blaming my frustrations and feelings <coughs> on the people around me or the weather or the mosquitoes or different way they do things. And that's, the, that's how the personality would operate, you know. Oh, the why do you have to do it like this and all these rules and the heat, the weather's so hot and the mosquitoes and the Food. Lumpacha loved to mix all the food up so it all was tasted horrible. So then it's easy to blame Ajahn Chah, being a, a kind of a sadistic monster. 
But then, I mean, looking at what I'm doing, I'm creating these these perceptions, aren't I? I'm thinking, I'm projecting, because of the feeling of, of on the emotional level of being frustrated, insecure, uncertain, lonely. So it's changing from blaming external conditions to observing what's actually happening. You know, this this mood, this sense of frustration, of confusion, like this. And we're beginning to notice just this, this kind of, a mood kind of hangs around for a while, you know. You can wake up in the morning with a certain mood. And then we tend to, then we tend to, if we don't notice, then we just, we, we act and, and speak according to the mood. But if we, with Jitanu Patsana Satipatthana, you're using the mood as a as an arom, as an aramana or an object to observe the knowing, the Buddha knowing. It's like this. It's not judging. It's not saying good bo- good mood, bad mood, or claiming it, or trying to get rid of. It. Just recognizing the the jitta, the mood of the mind, the mood, the, this emotional quality, whatever you want to, whatever word you have for it, is like this. So that your changes from being the moody person to being the puto, the knower of the mood, knowing the mood as dhamma, uh, as a sankhara, as a condition that arises and ceases. So more and more you're taking refuge in the Buddha, in Bhutto, in knowing, in this this natural state that uh, the awareness, the awakened consciousness. Investigating the present, isn't it? Noticing how it is. The puto, the knowing, is like this. The Dhamma is the known. And the way it is. this uh, this this pa- pattern of the unconditioned condition then the unconditioned is this this awareness the path to the the gate to the deathless aware of 
the conditions that uh, that die or or cease. And we live in, you know, we're experiencing. Uh, this is a sense world where we're we're born. We have these bodies and the senses. So the the conditioned realm <coughs> is then seen in terms of dhamma rather than in terms of cultural attitudes or uh, loves and hates. So this is, it's taking, you know, you're getting right to the very root, to the, your, you know, to recognition of truth, of the way it is, direct knowing. So it's very simple, it's not a complicated thing, but it, it's, uh, we tend to complicate everything. Our personalities are complicated. <coughs> we're complicated people and we have all kinds of you know, reactions and habits that we acquire in our lifetime, views, opinions. And we tend to project these out and and create this world and it becomes complicated and confusing and overwhelming or a burden carrying the the world on your back. It's like Atlas trying to hold, carry the the world on your back. Get exhausted. <laughs> so that's what we, you know, when we when we don't know this, and that's what we're actually doing. Why why do fe- people feel so exhausted and burnt out and so much to worry about? So many problems. And so, you know, it's easy to just, you know, what do people have to drink and take drugs and that? It's a burden of life that they create. It's just, it's just too heavy. So you kind of forget about it through putting some kind of uh, drugs or chemicals into your system that that uh, give you temporary relief but in the meditation we're getting to the very source you know so that it's not a matter of depending on drugs for temporary relief but awakening and Freeing ourselves from the delusions of ourselves and the and the world that we create. So in this, is uh, you know the things that are that which is happening now. In other words, santitika, santitika dhamma. breath is apparent here now, isn't it? I'm aware 
easy to observe the breathing of your body. Posture is obvious. The body's sitting like this. So you have breathing, posture. The four postures, sitting, standing, walking, lying down. So this actually implies movement, <coughs> the movement of your body, because you know, moving from one posture to another throughout the day and night. So it's using this, uh, using this very obvious uh, experience for br- paying attention to bringing ourselves out of the worrying about the future and regretting the past or whatever, but to to remind ourselves to be here and now. The body's like this. The breath. The mood is like this. The sound of silence. The sound stream is like this. Now the sound of silence has this, it's like background, it has, it's not like a sound really, like a sound has a beginning and ending, you know, so it has, you know, do, re, mi, fa, so, la, ti, do, kind of, this, you know, it arises and ceases. Comes out of this sound of silence. So the the background <coughs> has this uh, this sense of boundless and has no beginning or ending. It's like a stream, and it sounds like a it it, it becomes very strong when you're uh, sitting by a stream. Well, hear the sound of water uh, flowing or a waterfall. Test it out sometime. And you when it's raining, the continuous kind of sound of rain falling, or water falling, or or the a stream flowing. And so, like I teach this retreat in Chiang Mai every year, where they, the meditation hall is right on a stream near a waterfall. You get this very strong, loud sound from the waterfall, it's a, quite a high waterfall, and then the, then the meditation hall is right by this stream, and the sound of silence is just, you know, it, it's not, it's there, it's very strong also, so you begin to notice the, you think, you know, I would think that the sound of the stream would, uh, would, uh, Mother, the sound of silence. But doesn't it emphasizes it? 
So by recognizing this, then it gives you, you know, you not something not something to hold to, but to use. It's you know, it's uh, as you develop it, recognize it, and develop it, it. It integrates in everything, whether you're, you know, shopping in London or at the office or wherever. It's not. It's not dependent upon, uh, you know, a meditation retreat or or quiet situation. It's just recognizing it and then developing that. In when you, you know, I developed it over the years in the traffic jams of Bangkok. You know, people say, "Oh, Bangkok," you know isn't good for a monk, it's too noisy and and always in the frustration of terrible traffic jams. And uh and of course one can sit in a traffic jam and just <coughs> you know oh Bangkok traffic terrible complain and, and sit there and wait, when is it going to move and I've got to do something about it. <laughs> And what am I doing? I'm making it, I'm suffering, aren't I? I'm creating, I don't want this. It shouldn't be like this. Whose fault is it? Uh, don't like Bangkok. You go on there, go follow this stream of, uh, of, of ignorance. Or the sound of silence. Uh, It stops that that stream of ignorance, the complaining, grumbling, resenting uh, habits that that one might have in a situation like that. As you recognize and appreciate more and more, then you then you have perspective. You have a really you can really observe the arising, ceasing of moods and and. Uh, Thoughts, memories. It's like you, you suddenly, you're not just caught into things kind of helplessly anymore. But you, you know, look, you're observing them. So say in this training oneself in this way, you know, somebody insults me. You know, they say something nasty to me. In this sound of silence, then, I can receive insults and watch the, the, the reaction, the emotional reaction, without grasping it. So it's like, it, it puts you in a place where you can observe the changingness of conditioned phenomena. So it doesn't make you blind or insensitive, you know. I don't feel anything anymore. You can insult me and I just don't hear anything, don't feel anything. But somebody uh, abuses me, insults me, feels like this. In this sound of silence, I can rest in this and observe the feeling of me and mine and how dare you and and that, but without grasping it, without making it into anything more than what it is in the present, 
And if I don't grasp it, then I don't become that way, and then it ceases. All that is subject to arising is subject to ceasing. So this is encouraging. Uh, there's a, you know, this attitude of pure presence to observe tendencies to strive and, you know, put forth too much effort and getting caught in compulsive habits. Where society is very compulsive. You know, it's a workaholic society we're living in. You know. There's so many imperatives about how things should be. And there's so many problems and issues and complications everywhere. It's just overwhelming. Then we can't help but be, if, you know, we're living in this society, the society's like this. And as a person, then, you know, we have, you know, we get this, it becomes, you know, it's totally confusing and burdensome and frustrating until we recognize that how to, how to use the situation, this, how to use, not try to go to another place where they have a more peaceful society, but use the society we're in, like this. Because we're finding our refuge in the awareness, which even the the unpleasant conditions or frustrations and complications can be seen and learned from and let go of, and and uh, no longer are we helpless victims of the conditioning that we've acquired. 